0: Hey there, New Hope. Thanks for being with us today. My name is Hannah, and I am one of the pastors here. Okay, so I got to tell you about something kind of exciting that happened to me this week. I met a new friend. I knew that she was flying into town from Texas. I'd heard a little bit about her, but I wasn't quite sure if we would hit it off or how things would go, if she would like me. But It's going super well. She's so sweet and fun and easygoing. We're having a great time together. And I really want to introduce you to her, okay? Meet Tandem. Isn't she so sweet? Oh, this is our little foster pup. She's about a year and a half old and we're fostering her through an organization here in Portland called One Tail at a Time. They've been an excellent organization, have been super supportive through this process. And guys, I'm just loving this whole experience. I mean, she is, the first couple days, she was a little, you know, rough getting used to the place as far as like learning how to go to the bathroom, not in our living room or in our hallway, those kinds of things. I ordered a lot of towels on Amazon <laughs> pretty much immediately after she came. Uh, but she's doing great now. She's been going outside, doing her business out there. It's awesome. She's doing good. But this whole Dog experience is changing me. I wouldn't consider myself like you know a dog person. I like dogs and I've you know have friends who have dogs and I love them and it's great, but dog people like you know who you are. And I haven't considered myself one of you until I don't know, I'm maybe flirting with that now. This dog is is changing me. My my evenings now are like googling. Uh, dog training videos on YouTube or watching the dog whisper on Disney Plus. And I'm like a clean person. And we have this rug in our living room that you can ask my roommate, I'm like a little bit compulsive about keeping it clean. Like if there's like leaves that come in and kind of crunch up on it, I'm like getting out the vacuum and taking care of it right away. That's not really been the case. I was thinking I would be kind of, I would freak out about the dog hair and there's dog hair all over the rug. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's okay. And I'm also a plant person. As I've talked about before, I have plants in my patio area and I'm pretty protective about them. Sari was, my housemate was talking about moving something in front. I was like, oh no, like, let's not do that. But now Tandem is out there and kind of sniffing, exploring around, stepping on my plants. And I find myself thinking, oh, well, they're just plants. Not the case before, this is not my attitude. This dog is changing me, and I kind of love it, but that's what friends do, right? They change us they they kind of bring out the best in us and and help us find new things about ourselves that we didn't even know were there. so it's been a really a really fun experience now, nothing about having tandem has been like convenient, or it's not like added ease to my life. I mean, it's added snuggles and cuddles and I've loved that, but it's not added convenience or ease to my life. Like dog people, we go out at like 6.30 in the morning and pick up their poop, basically with our hands. I mean, I know we use like a little baggie, but let's be real. We pick up poop with our hands. Nothing but love can do that. (laughs) This dog, our friends, they change us. Today, we are continuing our series on Proverbs. You're like, how is she going to segue into this, right? Well, we spent the last few weeks looking at what this this book of Proverbs has to teach us about the way of wisdom, how to cultivate not the good life, but a life that is good. And we've looked at what the sages of Proverbs have to teach us on this way of wisdom and how crucial it is to choose this path in our lives. They've taught us um, what it looks like to to be a fool and how detrimental that is for our life and relationships. And then the sages, last week we looked at how our words have power for life or for death. And today we're going to look at what the sages of Proverbs have to teach us about friendship. Friendship. Now, instead of just having kind of one guiding scripture passage today, often we'll have someone kind of hop on and and read the scripture. But today we have a little bit of a treat. We're going to be looking at several different verses throughout the book of Proverbs, and we're going to have several friends read through them too. So I'm really excited to have you hear from them this morning. And then they will read. Awesome. Thanks friends for reading. I want to focus um at first a bit on that verse from from chapter 3 verse 3 let love and faithfulness never leave you bind them around your neck write them on the tablet of your heart the sage of proverbs is telling us that that love and faithfulness is this vital foundation for the way of wisdom and that same love and faithfulness as we'll see Throughout the book of Proverbs provides that same foundation for our friendships as well. The trouble for me is that when we throw out words like love and faithfulness, like they can feel kind of fuzzy and vague, can't they? Sometimes like we think we know what they mean, but then when we really get down to it, like what does that look like? What, is, what does love and faithfulness actually mean? How does it get expressed? In our lives. So that's what I want to focus on, zooming in a little bit on what the sages of Proverbs have to teach us about what love and faithfulness, if it's so crucial and foundational to our friendships, what does that actually look like in regards to our friends? So, first, the sages say that in friendship, love and faithfulness confronts and covers sin. Love and faithfulness confronts and covers sin. You're probably familiar with the proverb that says iron sharpens iron. But I really love the way that the message version of the Bible puts it like this. Proverbs 27, you use steel to sharpen steel, and one friend sharpens another. Proverbs 27:6 claims that the wounds of a friend are faithful. In friendship, if we're really doing life together, if we're really showing up without pretense in our, in our true and whole and messy selves, We're going to hurt one another. It's in those safe relationships that our not-so-best selves start to come out. I remember coming home from college uh, over Christmas break or whatever and just thinking I was this, like, evolved person, right? And then you go home and you're with your siblings and your parents and you realize, oh, I guess not so much. (laughs) All my ideals started to kind of crash as we get into those ruts of relationship where where we have those relationships where our not-so-best selves start to come out. Honestly, I think that's a a big reason why we do family pretty well in our our country and in our day and age, but we don't always do deep friendships very well. It's vulnerable and it's hard work, and if we're doing it right, honestly, we probably will hurt the other person and we will be hurt in the process. We wonder, is this worth it? But the sages of Proverbs overwhelmingly tell us, yes, it is they tell us that in true friendship we actually develop our capacity for love and faithfulness like that iron sharpens iron aspect that it's in those relationships that we grow and develop in our capacity for love and faithfulness it's not always easy or convenient but they tell us that it's worth it proverbs 10:12 says hatred stirs up conflict but love covers over all wrongs. So love doesn't ignore wrongs, but love covers wrongs. So how do we wrap our head around that? What what does that mean? That can be a tricky one for me because my brain starts to jump in and think like, well, okay, wait, what what about this? Or, Or how about that? Like, we're just letting people off the hook left and right. Like, what does it mean that love covers over all wrongs? I don't think this is the kind of covering that's just turning a blind eye. Or if you're like me, when you're about to have company over, you're like, okay, let's just kind of throw everything in the bedroom and pretend it's not there. I don't think it's that kind of covering. I think the covering that this is talking about is like, you know, when you get a wound or cut or something on your arm, you don't leave that exposed and risk infection. What do we do? We cover the wound, we bandage it, we dress the wound. When there is wrong done in friendship, love and faithfulness calls us to address it, to tend to it, lest it it stir up conflict and infection. When we confront the wrong, we then seek to understand what's going on, and then we come together and say, okay, what's it going to look like to heal this together? This makes me think of of what God did with Adam and Eve back in Genesis in the creation story when Adam and Eve had sinned and they were exposed in their shame and they, they, they felt their nakedness, they hid, right? And then God came and found them. He confronted them. He found them in the garden, but then God made clothes for them. God found Adam and Eve in their brokenness and their shame and their sin, and he covered them. Another theme that we see in Proverbs Regarding friendship and what love and faithfulness looks like is just a really practical one. I, I like this one. In friendship, love and faithfulness it looks like consistency. Love and faithfulness looks like consistency. Proverbs eighteen twenty four reads the, reads like this: One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother or a sister. A basic quality of love and faithfulness and friendship is just being consistent, just showing up and being reliable. One of the questions I think all of us are always asking in relationship, whether we're aware of it or not, is can I count on you? Can I count on you? Can I count on you? Honestly, I see this with Tandem, my new little foster pup, as she's kind of getting used to her new environment and we're building this relationship. I can feel her checking in, like, can I trust you? Are we good? Can I trust you? I think we all are, we're made for these healthy attachments in our lives and we cultivate those healthy attachments through consistency, through being reliable, through showing up. Sometimes that consistency looks like having rhythms that our friendship, that our friendships can count on. For me, one of those rhythms is with one of my close friends. For the last, like, seven or eight years, every week we get together. We used to run back in the day, and now we, like, walk or play with her baby. But we have that rhythm of getting together once a week, of checking in, of, of sharing our lives together. My parents actually modeled this really amazingly for me. They have gotten together once a month for dinner with the same six couples in their supper club for over 40 years. They modeled that rhythm of friendship, that consistency, that showing up time and time again. Now, with that being said, being reliable and consistent, and consistent in friendship doesn't always mean being available. In one of his most famous sermons, Jesus teaches us to let our yes be yes and our no be no. So being consistent and reliable means that we have this self-awareness and the discernment to know when we can say yes with a whole heart and when we've got to say, no, no, I can't do that today. Or I, I can't come through in this way. It means that we're consistent with our values. Like I can count on you if I can count on you to be trustworthy, to tell me the truth about where you're at and what you have to give and, and where you can't give. In friendship, Love and faithfulness looks like consistency. Now, before we we move on, I want to take a minute here to talk about what the sages say that love and faithfulness and friendship, what it's not. We've been looking about what, what love and faithfulness is, and I want to take a minute here. What is love and faithfulness and friendship not? So in friendship, love and faithfulness is not blind loyalty. Throughout this series, we've been learning that there's so much wisdom that goes into how you choose who you hang out with and who you let impact and influence your life. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Love and faithfulness are not just blind loyalty. They're often relationships that we've given a lot of power to, to influence us and and to help shape us that haven't actually proven worthy of that power. We often have relationships that we keep showing up for time and time again, and we keep giving ourselves to, but often it's out of our own issues or a sense of duty or obligation, and it's not actually out of love and faithfulness. There might be a space for those relationships in our lives, but it's going to be crucial to discern and to be prayerful about healthy boundaries in them. In friendship, love and faithfulness, it's not blind loyalty. And second, in friendship, love and faithfulness is not being a doormat. I love this proverb. Proverbs 25, 17 says this, Let your foot seldom be in your neighbor's house, or they will become tired of you and hate you. Not pulling any punches with that one. Anybody know a person like that? Or maybe you've been that person before? There's totally seasons of give and take and friendship. It's not going to be just the same predictability all along the way. It's like a dance. There's give and take. But pay attention to the relationships that consistently feel one-sided. Instead, look for the friendships in your life that are marked by reciprocity, by mutuality, and keep investing there. Love and faithfulness in friendship is not being a doormat. All right, so now what? How do we cultivate love and faithfulness in our lives when it comes to friendship? First, we've got to identify the barriers to friendship. Identify the barriers to friendship. When Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to the Corinthian church in the New Testament, he is urging them to practice forgiveness to to this member of the church And in doing so, he has this kind of weird little line in there that you you maybe have heard before. It goes like this Forgive, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. There are forces in our world that want to keep us from the way of Jesus, from the way of wisdom. We have to be aware of Satan's schemes. Aware of the barriers and forces that keep us from cultivating this wise life, this life that is good. So by no means is this an exhaustive list of what gets in the way of friendship, but I wanted to identify at least two, I think, critical barriers that that we need to be aware of as we're seeking to cultivate true friendship in our lives. So the first is individualism. We read about how the early followers of Jesus in the book of Acts, they share their belongings, they create this culture of, of generosity and interdependence. and we're like, "That's beautiful, but if you're like me, you're like, I mean, but not like not really, right? Like I mean, kind of, but not really, They don't we're not really like expected to do that. I mean, I don't know. But what I do know is that our culture of rugged individualism of I'll take care of me, you take care of you, me for me, you for you, that would have been just like totally not even in their worldview of the early followers of Jesus, which would have been baffling. At the very heart of the gospel, the vulnerability of the gospel is admitting to the illusion that I am not all that I need. But even in Christianity, this is where it kind of nuances that I want to pay a lot of it, that I want to pay some attention to here. Even in Christianity, individualism can kind of sneak its way in and, and sort of mask itself as this Christian holy thing. And I want to call that Christian individualism. Christian individualism says, God is all that I need. I don't need you. God is all that I need. So I recognize I might ruffle a few feathers here because we're familiar with that language, right? And, and there's truth to that. But that that God is all I need is a way of kind of spiritual self protection, is just a lie from the evil one. Yes, in Christ we have everything we need. But also in Christ, we are being knit together, built together into a new community that's meant to reflect the image and the glory of God who actually is community, who is relationship, Father, Son, and Spirit. And when we, when we ignore or fail to take up this call to community, we are not fulfilling our call as the church, as the body of Christ to be in relationship and to express who God is through those relationships of love and faithfulness. We have to keep identifying and working through this barrier of individualism and the way that it seeps into our lives and our thinking in order to move toward these these relationships that we were made for. It's not always convenient or easy, but it's worth it. And it's what we were made for. Okay, the next barrier, distraction. Distraction. The late poet, one of my favorite poets, uh, Mary Oliver, she writes this beautiful line, attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. We become devoted to what we pay attention to, for better or for worse. So that could be our screens, our phones, our bank account, our success, our worry, or it could be God's presence, our passions, our values, our friendships. We will always give our time and energy to the things that have captured our attention. The problem is that those things that we value most are not often the things that are clamoring for it. Distraction is the water that we swim in. And I can have it at any moment that I want, right? Because of this super cool thing in my pocket here called a smartphone. If you're, with, if, you're, if you're like me, that thing has just rewired my brain and my capacity for attention and distraction. The other day when we were teaching Tandem how to go use the potty outside, I was about to walk out and I was like, oh, let me grab my phone because I figured it'd probably be a few minutes while we were waiting. A few minutes and I needed to have something to occupy my mind. I couldn't just be there in the moment. I hate that but it's just the way that our brains are are being rewired for distraction. We've got to keep fighting for, for attention because what we give our attention to will receive our devotion. We've got to keep paying attention to the things that matter most. It's not always convenient or easy, but it's worth it. Friendships are powerful, and the enemy is only going to target the things in our lives that matter. We've got to be aware of his schemes. We've got to identify those barriers to friendship. So, second, we cultivate true friendship as we hold on to love and faithfulness. So, remember Proverbs three: Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. It's it's kind of intense language. It's like so critical. This discipline to let love and faithfulness never leave us. It's at the core of wisdom, a core at the core of a life that is good. So you might be thinking like, yeah, great, Hannah, a sermon on friendship in the midst of a pandemic when we can't even see each other. Awesome timing. But maybe it is awesome timing, right? Isn't this the exact time to hold on to love and faithfulness, to, to bind them around our neck, to write them on the tablet of our heart? There's a lot we can't do to show up for our friendships right now, and I get that. We have to acknowledge that and grieve that, and we have to take that next step and then ask, okay, well, what can I do? What does this pandemic and what do these limitations make possible? Honestly, a big reason why I got tandem was because I was like missing that that kind of proximity of, of friendship and the the physical touch and all, and all that stuff. I would have never thought to foster a dog a dog without the 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 pandemic make me think. Okay, well, what does this make possible? So instead of me just spouting out ideas of things that you know you could maybe do to cultivate friendship during the pandemic. I have a couple ideas, but what I really want is to encourage you guys to participate. So I want to crowdsource here because I'm just one personality. We're all wired differently. And I'd love to kind of get a conversation going in the chat of what are you doing right now in your life to hold on to love and faithfulness in your friendships? Go ahead and write those in the chat and and like each other's comments and and see what kind of creativity we can come up with. And maybe someone writes something that sparks your thinking. That's that's a way that we can serve one another in this time is kind of sharing our ideas. For example, for me, Cultivating this this love and faithfulness, even during the pandemic, has looked like the opportunity to even be in more consistent um, conversation with my friends who don't live in town, because we're kind of all long-distance friends in a way right now, so it's kind of been an equalizer of helping me make time for my friends who don't live here. Another important thing for me has been to not just catch up with friends, like when we or on the phone, or on Zoom, or if we go for a walk or something, to not just be looking back and always catching our friendships up, but to make new experiences. One of the things we talk about here at New Hope is that intimacy is built on shared experiences. We have to keep moving forward and building into our lives. Now, I recognize, like we talked before, there's a lot we can't do when it comes to experiences, right? We have to grieve that and We have to start getting creative about what we can do to create new experiences and shared experiences with our friends during this time. I never imagined that I would be on a Zoom call doing a facial with a friend. It's one of the things that I've done. I never imagined fostering tandem. I never imagined that sitting in a driveway on lawn chairs six feet apart would be so life-giving and fun, but it is. It's a way that we can create new experiences together. Maybe this time in our lives allows for even deeper communication and intentionality. And maybe this is a time in our lives where where our consistency in friendship can shine even brighter. I know that it's hard to do friendship right now, but don't give up. Hold on to love and faithfulness. It won't always be convenient or easy, but the sages tell us that it's worth it. Now, I wonder too, if some of you are listening today and you're thinking, yeah, Hannah, that's great. I, wanna, I want that in my life. I want love and faithfulness and friendship. I'm with you. But I don't feel like I have really any friendships right now. I don't feel like I have friends to invest in. And I just want to say that I hear you and that that ache and that, that gap that that leaves in your life is, is real. And I don't want to pretend that I have all the answers for you. But what I do know is that God desires for all of us to experience and know this kind of friendship. So I would just invite you to ask God for friendship and to keep your eyes open for people whose lives are marked by love and faithfulness. And I invite you to continue to grow in love and faithfulness in your own life. You might need to take some risks and, and try new things. This fall, we have a our Our 10-week Rooted Experience, a small group experience, is launching again in September. And it's just an opportunity to grow in your relationship with God, but also to grow and to be connected in community. I'm not saying or promising that you're going to find your best friend there. I don't know that. But it will give you an opportunity to rub shoulders with with people that, that are on the journey with you. And who knows what God can do? So hold on to love and faithfulness. And finally, know God as your most loving and faithful friend. Know God as your most loving and faithful friend. Spiritual author and priest Henry Nouwen writes that we can only give the gift of belovedness as much as we've received it ourselves. I really believe that in order to participate fully and courageously In faithful friendship, we have to know God as our most loving and faithful friend. Exodus 34, verse 5 and 6 reads this. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, with Moses, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, and abounding in love and faithfulness. Have you ever had to write like a little bio of yourself for like an event, or maybe you're introducing yourself in a group or for a website or something? My bios usually sound something like, I live in Portland, and I like to go hiking, and I make hummus, and those kinds of things. This passage from Exodus, when he's appearing in front of Moses and saying his name, This is God's bio. This is what God says about who God is. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. God goes on to say that the sin and brokenness in our lives, that it won't be ignored, but it will be dealt with and healed over time. Just like we looked at earlier, confronting and covering and healing sin is a part of faithfulness. If we want to know what love and faithfulness looks like, let's look to God. God is our most loving and faithful friend. So no one has taught me more about friendship with God than an old mentor of mine named Sue. Sue lives in the Lake District in Northern England where she worked at the Bible school that I went to right after high school for a year. And then when I came back to the States and went to college, Sue and I would exchange letters pretty regularly. And it was just a, really, um, a real gift to me during that time of college and really formative for me to have her speaking into my life. So we don't write as much anymore. But a couple of years ago, she sent me a letter I had written her just expressing some anxieties that I was dealing with. And she wrote me a letter and there's this line that she wrote in it that has just just totally impacted the way that I approach God and cling to God in friendship. So I wanna read you what she wrote here. God will continue to be all that you want and need him to be, gracious, kind, patient, loving, and faithful, your best encourager and champion. I borrowed her words from a couple of years ago, and ever since then, I've turned them into this breath prayer that I use again and again, and even still to this day, even before coming here today, use this breath prayer, God, thank you for being my best encourager and my greatest champion. I use that prayer when I believe it, and I use that prayer when I don't believe it, when I feel vulnerable or worried. I use that prayer to, to bind it around my neck, to write it on the tablet of my heart, to remind me of God's love and faithfulness. It strengthens my hope and my courage that God is who God says God is. My best encourager, my greatest champion, my most loving and faithful friend. So as we've been talking about today, love and faithfulness and friendship, it won't always be convenient, it won't always be easy. But the Proverbs describe this kind of friendship like uh, the luxury of fine oil or perfume or this cold drink on this scorching and oppressive day. They describe it as the goodness of life and providing these vital gifts for us when life is hard. The Proverbs say that friendship like this is so worth it. So I want you to take a second, even just right now or later today, and think about your friendships. Let let me one or two friendships kind of come to the surface of your mind and, and kind of just ask the questions in a prayerful way with God. Like, how do I see love and faithfulness in this friendship? What would it look like to, to grow in this friendship? What would it look like to, to lean in a little bit more fully into the gift of this Relationship. When Jesus was about to face the cross, he leaned in to his relationship with God and he leaned in to his friends. It was the hardest night of Jesus' life, and he asked his friends to come be with him, to keep watch, to bear witness to his suffering. During their last meal together, Jesus entrusted his friends with these words from John 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. We abide in God's love as we love one another. And as we love one another, we abide in God's love. It's this mysterious, interconnected, beautiful thing that we're invited to participate in. Friendship with God and others is one of our most precious gifts, and I believe it's it's one of our highest callings. Hold on to love and faithfulness in friendship. We can trust God, we can trust the Proverbs when they say that it's worth it. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the gift of friendship. I don't know who I would be without the friends who have held me up, who have carried me into your presence, who have spoken into my life and held me to my values. Thank you, God. We long to experience more of that. We long to invest deeply in this call to love one another that you have commanded us. And we need you, your love to fill us. The scriptures say that Holy Spirit, you pour out the love of the Father into our hearts. So I ask you to do that today. Pour out the love of the Father into our hearts that we might love one another and experience the life that is good. Thank you for your love and faithfulness to us. It's in your name that we pray, amen.